for distortion. Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 78. It is Brando. You know, I have an, uh, a newspaper from 1978 that my dad kept when the Yankees won the World Series. I still have it in my house somewhere. I don't think it's worth anything. I don't know. I always will try to like coordinate whatever number episode is to something in my life as a awkward, organic segue into starting uh, this podcast. Thank you for everybody for, for joining 78 episodes of uh, talking about GNR and of course a, a lot uh, else. Of course, uh, thanks to you know Marcel Circus last episode, who was uh, in, in RazQ. How could we forget RazQ episode seventy-seven? And I guess because of that conversation, that brought on this conversation we're going to have right now. Uh, today's guest, uh, Josh Lewis, is on the phone with us now. The original hey. guitarist. I mean, you could say hey. You can interrupt me. Oh, hey. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> I go on a rant, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, you can interrupt yeah. me and say, hey, you know what, shut I'm up. I'm pretty good at interrupting. And I can say, you know what, I can introduce myself. But, I mean, you did send me your bio and a ton of old um, warrant picks, and I believe some of them had never been seen or hadn't been seen in, in many years, you and, and Janie Lane. So it's been uh, That's right. cool back and forth with us before this conversation. But Josh Lewis, the original guitarist of Warrant, and also, you may have seen him uh, back when I loved this channel, VH1 Classic. Now it's just MTV Classic, which is just, what, Jersey Shore. But VH1 Classic, when they had, um, what was it, the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp Season 1, right? That's correct. Yeah, I was on that. I got beat up pretty pretty good <laughs> from Mark Hudson, but I had a good time. Who was on that? It was, uh, it was Mark Hudson, but who else was on that season? Who else? Uh, Rudy Sarzo was there. Sure. Um, and then Kip Winger, Winger. was a, a coach, and uh, and then we had you know certain guests that would come by, and we you know got to hang with Lita Ford and Michael Anthony and Ace Frehley and uh, Bruce Kulick and got so many. It was really it was a great experience, really incredible. Awesome. I wish they would still do. I mean, I know they they do fa uh, fantasy camps, but to kind of televise it. Mm -hmm. I, I like how the uh, oh, and that actually reminds me. I was pl I was playing you some uh, sound clips before we went on the air. This is from another old uh, VH1 reality rock show. Savage Animal. You remember when uh, Sebastian Bach and they all had the super group, Ted Nugent? Yeah. Oh, I miss those shows. My God. Anyway, I loved that show. Anyway, I guess this is the closest thing to a rock and roll reality show. I guess yes, it's pre it's pre taped, <laughs> but I usually leave my awkwardness uh, you know, unedited. Uh, so Josh, uh, he reached out to to me, which is super cool because you know I can only do so much by being my own uh, guest booker. So that's why I r routinely suggest to all the fans out there, listeners, if who want to bring on guests, just like Raz Q when I interviewed him, he suggested Marcel. I would not have known her, and you're another Fairfax uh, alum. So we're gonna get into what you coined, and well, I shouldn't say you coined, but you may have been one of the first. But the a real rock and roll high school. Just the amount of people yeah. who are from 
that area. And I was thinking on the way here, I'm like, you know what? There are a lot of comedians from Long Island. You know, I can say that, that's where I'm from, but not a specific school. Like, it's just, was there something in the water fountain there? So, you know, I want to talk about Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp with you. I want to talk about, uh, well, of course, there are some uh, G&R ties with you, which is why you're, you're here, not just, you know, the early uh, warrant days and, you know, hanging out with uh, members of KISS and Ozzy and all that stuff, but you used to roadie for Hollywood Rose, which is uh, yeah. quite something else. And, you know, back in the day, of course, being within, uh, going to Fairfax, you, <coughs> you knew Slash, so we're going to find out about young Saul a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was a picture that Marcel either posted on Facebook or was tagged in, and it was a middle school picture that had Slash in it. And wow, does he look like London, or London looks like him? You know, so you, you can really see it uh, right there. Um, his young, yeah. his young fifteen-year-old kid. You can see uh, they're definitely related. If you had any question about it, London's a cool kid, and he's got a cool band. Yeah, he was. Um, I, I was lucky enough to interview him and uh, and Nico, the guitarist. Uh, they're they're very oh, nice. the very first interview ever, and I was kind of nervous. You know, you would think that. <laughs> You know, a, c- a couple of 15-year-olds being interviewed for the first time, they were totally chill. And I guess kept thinking, if I do bad, Slash is going to hate me <laughs> or something. <laughs> but they were great. Well, you, you, at least you know Slash listened to it. I do know yeah, that. Must yeah. No, yeah. He, he did. I don't know what he personally said, but obviously <clears throat> I'm allowed to continue talking to them. So <laughs> everything, was, <laughs> everything was okay. But before we get to uh, all that fun stuff, uh, something we do here, on uh, the AFD show, because uh, I want it to be more than just a, f- a, c- a fun conversation. I want it to be a fun broadcast. So we have a, a segment yeah. uh, called, because Guns N' Roses has a song called Shotgun Blues. We have Shotgun News. Shotgun news! Yeah, and if you couldn't tell that awkward news was me. I don't, <laughs> this is all me. It's just me on the mic, it's me on the board, me producing it, and until I get paid and can hire producers and audio editors that's that's the quality you're gonna get uh so you're, you're doing god's work all right thank you something like that uh, <laughs> so since this is kind of like a weekly podcast i i kind of light with the news i can't really say anything concrete because it's not like it's a daily show of course uh gnr on break right now we're gonna do so, uh, some more uh european dates and and Me- dates in mexico come later in the fall i know my uh, slash with miles kennedy uh, going to be uh, off and running very, very soon. Uh, I, I, Jeff Rouse and Mike Squires, who did my uh, my theme song, which was in- incredible, they're gearing up for Loaded. So that's what, where the bands are at. So let's focus kind of like the news and what's going on, you know, outside the band itself. Because in Shotgun News, we can do anything that's important to, to you, the listeners. So the first one, uh, before I forget... And maybe you know you can comment on this because I don't know what your experience was with uh, with, with Izzy Stradlin. Uh, there's a petition going around, and you know that's the way world we live in now. Online petitions, and sometimes they do wonderful things. Sometimes people just want a petition to because they're lazy, so mm-hmm. you can help them pay to get a car or something like that. But uh, this woman's name is a uh, or girl, forgive me, uh, Carleen Bender. She used to be, I think, this the woman that suggested the the shark sandwich question to Jimmy Ashurst when I interviewed him. If he, like if you remember eating sharks and when he was in Trinidad, I think that's her. Uh, so she uh, she wants Izzy, as we all do, to be seen in public. 
So she has a petition, uh, pet, uh, petition on change.org. That's kind of the, the go-to site for online petitions. Uh, it's close to 900 sig- signatures right now. The goal is 1,000, so uh, she wanted me to talk about it on the podcast. I hope I have the listening base that can get that up to uh, 1,000. I mean, I do, but people are lazy. So this can you send that to me because I would definitely like to sign that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I just finally just sound, uh, signed it. I had been retweeting it, but I just <laughs> signed it. So, yeah, for sure. So uh, so people understand it's not for Izzy to reunite because there's so many different players in there, and what is a petition going to do? So this is more of just an Izzy one-off. So she writes, Dear Izzy, we miss you on stage. Please consider playing one concert, just one show, just you and your music, on all on your terms, and, uh, of course, if you're, uh, if you're happy to do more or to tour, even better. But for now, all we're asking for is just one solo show we're happy with whatever you're happy with. The venue, your backing band, no backing band, new songs, old songs, covers, anything, everything. Online or in person, live or pre-recorded, acoustic or unplugged, we just want to see and hear you performing. By signing this petition, we promise to support the shows uh, or show in any way we can by attending or at least making every effort to attend, by spreading the word about the event, and by purchasing any merchandise available, we promise to continue to believe in your music and to always be your loyal and appreciative fans. Respectively yours, Carlene Bender and the Izzy Stradlin Fans Group. Hashtag Izzy Concert 2018. So uh, I, I, if you want to find it on my Facebook and my, my Twitter, both at the AFD show, I'm going to give it to Josh Lewis, so he'll send it out. So um, yeah. crazier things have happened, so I, I hope it does happen. And also, for future fans of reference, if you guys ever have a petition out there, you can use, and I was thinking about this, Shotgun News as like a like a bulletin board. Like if you listen to your local radio station and talking about, you know, the local chili cook-off or the local charity event, let's, we can do that. This is our local fan base, even though we're heard all in so many different countries. If it's online, if it's easy, of course. But you know what? If you have a Guns N' Roses cover band and you want to give me some dates to put out on this podcast, if it's going to coordinate with your your schedule i'm happy to do it as well so just hit me up so uh next part of the uh, shotgun news and then we're going to get on to talking about uh um uh, talking to josh this was uh interesting i don't know if josh if you're at the level where people have made fake profiles uh of you has that ever happened uh not yet but i know i'm well i know identity theft is a real thing regardless of fame but something we had been speaking about and I won't go into into it too much with you now, uh, Josh. But there has been some copyright issues in the Guns N' Roses camp about uh, there were a lot of uh, videos taken down, in turn shutting down YouTube channels. And these weren't things that were, um, you know, involved in the box set. Just a big thing. We found out about rogue fans that were kind of going through third parties to get certain fan fan sites they didn't like shut down. It's a fucking mess. It's just like it's ridiculous. So it it kind of went up a notch a little bit. So if you follow Tommy Stinson on Facebook or uh, or any of his his, his bands, uh, Cowboys in the Campfire, um, it's just it, it, you want you were kind of surprised recently because one of the the trolls who I've referred to uh, lovingly as ba- Bagel Boy, again it's a long story, Josh. Uh, he was outed by name by Tommy Stinson's Facebook by having a fake profile of Tommy Stinson. So just a quick wow. a quick story. I got a... This is what happens, Josh. It's not like I asked for it. A bunch of my listeners one night's like, hey, have you seen this profile? 
I'm like, it's Tommy Stinson. No, look at the URL. And it has the person who's trolling. His name is the URL. I mean, he's usually more clever than that. So I'm like, uh-huh. I, I slept on it. I'm like, you know what? I, I, I still know Tommy's management. I'm like, here, I, I know about this. This I know this isn't Tommy. Have fun, you know, I'm just letting you be aware. And apparently things got bad after that. The person wouldn't take the, the profile down, insisting he's not pre- trying to pretend he's Tommy, even though the name and the pictures are all of Tommy and nothing that says it's a, you know, a, tri- a tribute account. And then they were called out by Tommy's uh, Facebook, and that was just some fun for the GNR community. And more importantly, uh, the real Tommy Stinson has some dates on the, I believe, on the West Coast for Cowboys in the Campfire, if you want to check that out. I just thought that was so, it was just like a colliding of worlds of just, you know, trolls that have atta- attacking the fans, uh, Josh, have started to yeah, aff- they, attack former members. Think, it's weird. I mean, it's one thing to be a fan, but, you know, to, to, you know, it's crossing lines when you do stuff like that to try and sort of almost pose like you're those people, you know. No, it's scary. Kind of weird. It, no, it's it's Not scary. Weird. It, I mean, it is weird. I, that, that profile had been around for a while. I see, and you know, maybe it's not asked. I mean, I have no idea what the inboxes were. I mean, my my, I just told you what I know now. I mean, obviously, if they ask for money, because I see Slash post this a lot. I see even Richard Fortas saying, "Hey, this is not me." Like whether it's an Instagram or Twitter, don't. I'm, I would never ask you for money. So that's obviously bad. But even if it's like a stale account, there are people who are going to believe that's Tommy Stinson. Because it needed to say, Tommy does not have a Facebook. It's his people who runs it, who run it. So right. uh, that is a, a little different shotgun news. So if you want to get something on our, quote, bulletin board, feel free to send me a message. And anything that goes on in our little community, like this Tommy Stinson fake profile thing, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. So that does it for shotgun news. News. Wasn't that exciting, Josh? Wasn't that worth it? Yeah, wait? maybe maybe after this interview, someone will uh, copy my profile <laughs> <laughs> or create a fake profile. Then I know I've made it. But Josh, Josh Lewis is such <laughs> a common name. Although you yeah. sent me, uh, I mean, you don't have to give out your your, your real name, your non stage name, but you sent me emails of your old warrant pictures under another name. Yeah. Uh, that was probably by accident, but yeah, that's true. Okay, because uh, it was like I'm more familiar. With the... I'm sorry, Lewis is my middle name. I always use it as my last name. Okay, all right, cool. Because I kind of got yeah. without giving it away. I got excited about the last name because it sounds like you're a member of the tribe. I am. I am. So yeah. not a very uh, good member. Member. Oh, I'm a terrible <laughs> Jew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, no, that's that's great. I, I I appreciate when members, I know Marcel, even though it's so funny, she's Jewish, but she wrote a book about shikses, you know, so yeah. it's just like I'm learning that maybe I'm not as bad of a Jew. I'm a Jew with tattoos, so I don't I don't know about Yeah, yeah. I got a couple. My my uh, my aunt used to say shikses are for practice. <laughs> <laughs> I like your aunt. That's funny. Yeah, she was cool, but... uh. I married a Shiksa, so it's all good. Right on. I'm dating a Shiksa. <laughs> I gave her uh, Marcel's book. I'm uh-huh. like, all right, here's, here's cool. things to learn. That's awesome. Uh, so yeah. we're going to get to, and it's so cool that we were talking to Marcel and that we found out about her story and then what she's doing now writing. So we're going to do the same thing with you because you have a lot of current projects. But it was so awesome that, you know, of course, the, the major things that stuck out to me were was the original guitarist from Warrant. And I used the uh-huh. analogy, I believe, off-air for you when I was lucky enough to interview Rob Gardner 
all right, the original guitar, uh, excuse me, uh, drummer for Guns N' Roses, but he left before they yeah. kind of broke. So that seemed that was kind of your story, right? You were the they they broke after you had left. That's correct. All right, so that's what made me interested as well. In addition to uh, you being a roadie for Hollywood Rose, which is just such a unique period of yeah, you know, before Guns N' Roses. So I just want to know, like, just like with Marcel, how did we get? How did your life cross those paths? Uh, so you you're from L.A. You're an L.A. So, guy. Yeah, I was actually, you know, you'll appreciate this. My father was an actor, and um, when my mother was pregnant, he was actually in Fiddler on the Roof, the touring company. Oh, nice. And so uh, while they were in Chicago for about six months, I was born in Chicago. And about six weeks later, my mother took me back to the East Coast where her family was. And then my dad continued the tour and uh, ended up in Las Vegas. And uh, we ended up meeting them in Las Vegas for a few months. And then by the time I was nine months, we moved to Hollywood, where my dad wanted to pursue acting. And uh, I ended up at about five years old. I ended up um, in West Hollywood on Orange Grove, about three blocks away from Fairfax High. And uh, a funny thing was one of my earliest friends was a guy named Jamie Slovak, who is Hillel Slovak's little brother. Sure. Okay. And uh, and I recently told Jamie this story because it's funny. Um, so we would play. We, you know, I was about five. He was six, I think. And we would play. And I would, he would always say, bring over a toy and we'll play. And whenever I go over there, he'd, uh, he'd want to trade toys. And so... So I'd come home with a toy of lesser value most of the time. <laughs> and my dad, my dad said, you know what? You can't play with that kid anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what was he like trading you? Some sort of like expensive Lego set and you would give him jacks or vice versa? Yeah, I don't even know. I don't even remember. But, I, you know, that was a long time ago. But uh, it was funny. It was, it was just a funny thing. And when I told Jamie, he goes, ah, I haven't changed. <laughs> 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 because I was shysting people back then. <laughs> it's pretty funny. And so I would see Hillel. He'd pop in and pop out, and uh, he had this great big mop of hair, you know. He looked like a, a Q-tip with a brown tip. <laughs> and and he was playing guitar in a band called Anthem, which I think Marcel mentioned. Yeah. And uh, and I, I would see him all the time, you know, just down the street. And we used to ride bikes and skateboards down by their house all the time. And later they moved a couple blocks over. But I'd, I'd still see them at school and stuff. What was the age but difference? That was fascinating. Uh, between Hillel uh, and because yeah, you, uh, you befriended his brother, so what was his the age? His brother of... was a year older than me. Okay. A year up on me, and then Hillel, I think he was probably two or three years older than than Jamie. Okay, so you were still able yeah. to be in school at the same time as Hillel. Um, at elementary school, but I don't know if he went to Laurel. I don't. I went to Laurel Elementary. Okay. Um, which is another interesting place because that's where, that's where uh, Slash and Flea and a bunch of other guys used to ride bikes and skateboards because it had this two-level playground. So it had these ramps. And so we would go there and skateboard. I, I was terrible, but those guys were all a little older and really good, and they cut a hole in the fence. And in the summertime, we'd all go over there, and, and you'd see these guys skating and, and biking and all of that. And, uh mm-hmm. So uh, and at that time, you'd see Flea there, and Hillel was probably playing guitar somewhere. I didn't see him at that point. 
And then when I got into middle school, Hillel had already probably been in high school because he was more than, he was about three years older than me or four. Okay. So then what were you doing if you, uh, you couldn't skate, you couldn't bike? What were you doing to entertain yourself? What, did you see, you know, there was oh. a music scene around or did you want to be an actor like your dad? Like what, what kind of uh, no. kid were you? You know, I was always on my bike and skateboard, but we just couldn't keep up with those other kids. So we wouldn't dare try and <laughs> we would go there when no one was there and, and try and hit the ramps. Okay. All in our face, you know, and uh, my friend Jason Solon and I used to go there all the time and, and, uh, and uh, Slash would be there. We had this kind of fascination with him. He had this thing about him, you know, like he just, he was a rock star back then. And uh, yeah, even that, and what was his hair? Like he didn't have like the crazy hair then, or did he? Like he, he was, did, he did. Yeah. He hadn't. It was. It wasn't as long. It was long hair. It was kind of. It was kind of like Hillel, kind of bushy and up. Okay. You know. Sounds like London. Reminded, how, how London has his hair now, even though it's blue. Yeah, London's hair is a little more, a little less curly. I think Slash had you know, kind of curly hair. He kind of reminded me of Phil Lynott, like. Okay. You know, he had sure. that kind of vibe at that, in those days. And uh, there's some pictures of him around from from those days. No, but, uh, mm-hmm. go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm, I'm just curious, again, trying to set the scene of you were able to tell that Slash was different then. And I'm just trying to think of what high school was like for me and what the perception of, of high school is like when there are certain cliques. Was he cool yeah. in the music click, or was he just cool, like Fonzie, and everyone liked him, whether the popular kids, you know, the nerds, like what kind of, you know, how, like yeah. what kind of people, did, did everyone gravitate towards him, or again, was it just like the skater yeah. kids? No, it really seemed like everyone did. I mean, he was definitely in the popular stoner group, you know, the <laughs> sure, right. out, you know, and... Um, you know, they were, they were the cool kids that were a couple of years older than us and they were playing Led Zeppelin at, you know, during, in the quad at, at recess, you know? And, uh, but we, when I was in middle school, I, the only time I really went to school with him was in middle school. By the time I got to high school, I think he might've went for a little while, but then he might've got transferred to Beverly high and then he dropped out eventually, but he hung out like after school, there was an arcade across the street and everybody would hang out there. And so I would see him there and talk to him a lot and, and hang out and uh but when i was in middle school and i kind of had this punk rock phase with some friends we used to sit by this this uh, air conditioning vent and and all the kids would walk by and like he would walk by and he had his guitar case you know with a bc rich in it and every day he'd walk by and we'd just be like that dude's so fucking cool <laughs> <laughs> he just was you know this was kind of before i knew him personally i think and um yeah, and he would play guitar at lunch, and and it was and he was in the music program there when they had music programs, and uh, right. He just had this thing, and we actually even had the same guitar teacher, the same private guitar teacher, at a Fairfax Music School, which was just around the block from my house. Okay. And um, I remember I, I had only taken a few lessons by this time, and I walk out of my lesson. My lesson's finished, and I walk out, and Slash is standing right there. And my teacher says to him, hey, there's a gig you should check out. And I remember thinking, my God, you know, they're already, like, offering him gigs, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. And then I left, and he went in, and I don't know what that gig was. It wasn't Guns N' Roses, but uh, it was just interesting. A lot, of, a lot of these little things. Like, he just had that vibe. And, and 
when they got famous, it was really amazing to see how, you know, young kids and, and the, the world sort of gravitated to him in the same way. And I think they still do. I mean, it, his guitar playing is incredible, but it was also him, you know? Sure. Just has a look and a vibe and, you know, he was cool. And I remember him and Mark Canner, who, I don't know, if, have you talked to Mark Canner? Do you know Mark Canner? I, I know of him and I have the book. I have yet to interview him. Okay, so Mark like Canner and him were like best friends. And you'd see those guys together and, and they both sort of looked alike. And you just knew they were Aerosmith fans. They looked like Joe Perry. <laughs> you know, they just looked like they belonged in Aerosmith. Sure. Is that the... Um, Pretty cool. So that was... was I don't want to say, was it Slash that made you gravitate towards the kind of music you want to play? Like, what made you want to be a rock and roller? What was the thing so, that, that, that hooked you? Well, you know, I played guitar, first started when I was seven years old. And um, at that age, you know, my parents said, all right, at 7.30, you come in and you practice, you know, for a half hour. And that would be just about when me and my buddies on the, on the street were, you know, playing cops and robbers and and didn't want to stop. <laughs> so I ended up quitting guitar and I sold my guitar to a young girl that lived in my building for 25 bucks. And I really didn't, you know, at that time they were teaching me, you know, John Denver songs and Mary had a little lamb and I just didn't really get into it. And I, and I wasn't really into music yet. I'm like seven years old. So I, uh, I gave up and I started riding my bike more and skateboarding and stuff. And, trying to get good at that and uh and then when i was about 12 13 i decided i want to try playing again and ironically the girl that lived or that i sold my guitar to their parents had put it on top of an armoire and it was just sitting there so i i kind of hinted around that i'd like it back if i could and they gave it back to me hmm. so i made 25 bucks on that deal and then i started playing much more seriously and so at the time of 13, I started really picking up the guitar. And by 15, I was in Warren. And uh, I always regretted those, those lost years because I think uh, things would have turned out different had I stuck with it, you know. But, uh, you know, whatever. It is what it is. So you were in Warren at 15 years old? Yeah, that's when it started. Mm -hmm. How old was everyone else? Uh, they were my age. Well, the original guys... Janie was 15. I, I didn't know that. Janie was 15? No, Janie's not the original member of Warren. Okay. Janie, well, Janie came along later, when I was about two years later, three years later. Okay, forgive me, because so my Warren uh, history knowledge isn't as de deep as GNR's. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's fine. So um, the original Warren, the very first show we ever did was, was literally me, our singer who played bass and sang, named Adam Shore, and our drummer, Max uh, Mazursky. And the three of us actually played as Warrant, opening up for Tracy Gunn's band, Pyrus, and uh, Slash's band, Road Crew, on New Year's Eve, 1983, going into 1984. Mm. And so that was the original Warrant. Then later, we played a few more parties and gigs and whatever, and then Eric Turner and Jerry Dixon joined the band and then after a couple of years Adam and Max left the band and then within a week Janie and Steven joined the band okay 
so that's sort of the basic history of, of where we were. And what about your role in, the, in, in leaving? Uh, my role in leaving, well, you know, the problem was I had joined the band when I had only been playing guitar for two years. And I really didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know the rules. But now I do, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... No, but uh, like, just, what do you mean by rules, not, if you don't mind me asking? Well, like... Just, you know, playing in key. I knew I knew some pentatonic scales. I knew how to play. All our songs were kind of in minor keys, so I knew how to play in minor keys solos, and and I got by. And I and I had, you know, if I say so myself, I had a pretty good stage presence. You know, we always wanted to put on a show, and so our our main focus at the time was show. And I never felt that I needed to improve as a guitar player. When J- Jamie joined the band. He started writing in all these major keys, and all of a sudden, all my solos sounded really bad, and I didn't know why at the time. Hmm. And I don't know how much you know about guitar, but you know, it's just a, it's a, it's just a small shift, <laughs> a few frets, and you can play in key. But I didn't know, and my mentality at the time was, you know, everything's going great. Why do I need to learn? You know, which was just dumb. Well, you. But were I was young. young. Yeah, exactly. I was young, and I didn't know, and and. You no, know, and no one people to would say you? you should, huh? No one to mentor you at that time? I didn't have a mentor in that sense. Like, as I mean, I would take lessons from people, you know, here and there. Uh, Slash was kind of a mentor to me in a different way at, at a younger age. You know, he was sort of like, like he gave us our first gig. He, you know, because of my friendship with him, he lent me amps when I needed it. He used to work at a music store called Hollywood Music. I'd go in and see him. Uh, and he would, you know, give me tips about guitars and, and sound and things like that. Um, but you know, when you're when you're doing well, sometimes you don't think you need to learn more. You know. Yeah. And so that that was sort of the 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 spiral I was in, and and then I got sort of the hint that that things were a little uh, iffy for me, and so I I got off my ass and I started taking some guitar lessons from a great teacher named Michael James who uh, literally, you know, taught me everything that I still use today. But unfortunately, it was a little too late. So they had already kind of made the decision, and so they asked me to leave the band. Mm. And that was that. But, you know, I'll tell you something. You know, sometimes I think about it. Like, I have a pretty good life. I have a good family, wife, kids, and all that stuff. I still play music. I write songs. I've, I've tapped into the, um, the, the uh, creativity uh, mold and... And so had that not happened, I don't think I ever would have uh, become what I've become musically. And I'm, I'm really happy and excited about what I've become. So, you know, fame is one thing. Those guys came, you know, unfortunately their career went up and down, and, you know, right. and they struggled a long time without trying, you know, without anything else. And, and great for them. I'm very happy for them. I'm still friends with those guys. Um, in fact, I went on stage with them last December, which was fantastic. Uh, was that the but, first you know, time in a, in a long time? or That was it, the first time in, yeah, a lot of years. Wow. Yeah, it was really cool. Good. That's great. And, you know, I, I mean, I love those guys. We had a brotherhood. I think that's the part that probably uh, affected me the most, you know. We were, we were like brothers. And, but, you know, business is business, and that's, that's really what it came down to. You know, so, I have no regrets. Those kind of things... It's so fascinating when you hear that the the early days of a formation of a 
of a big band and the, the, of course that was the the big question to Rob Gardner uh you know are there any regrets but you don't know where your life is going to be and you don't know how your the band would have had the same trajectory had you been in it good or bad it's just it's just yes. it's not a simple plug and play that you know if you were there Warrant would have had the same trajectory or your life would have been, you know, and I appreciate you not going on your landline because you didn't want your kids screaming or anything. So you, you see, <laughs> but I'm sure they're very well behaved and lovely children. And, you know, you have a family life and who knows what being in Warrant would have done. You know, you could have had some, a very, oh, yeah. you could have had the quote fame and fortune, but your personal life could have been hell. And would that have really been worth it? So it's, it's exactly you know, I, I'm sure you, know, I, you, you, th- you ask these your, these questions to yourself all the time, but it's it's good to hear that, you know, that you're in a good place now and it's not of what if. I mean, you can have fun with that, yeah. but to be happy where you are now and at the end of the day, the the people are what matter. You know, fame and fortune you know, is and a way. Fame is like a shiny diamond that you just want, but you don't really know what it's like when, until you're there. And look how many stories there are of people who just couldn't handle the fame. Well, and... and you know, look at Demi Lovato right now, who I know. You know is struggling, and and you know, and I know the guys in Warren had their hard times, and I know Janie especially did. Sure. And uh, you know, it it's it all seems grand and fantastic, but uh, you know, who knows? I think it's how you go into it and the impression or you know, the mindset you have going into it. You have to sort of believe that it's it's uh, it's all kind of make believe, you know. Yeah, and especially and with all these the celebrity. I mean, this is a, a topic I you know I, I talk about on this podcast when it comes up, and then a rock podcast that does come up, uh, all the celebrity suicides. It's just because you're rich and yeah. famous doesn't mean you're happy. So yeah. it, uh, I think happiness is, is key, and you know you you had just mentioned it, Janie. I mean, look what what happened, and you mentioned uh, Hillel. I mean, these are other. Mm-hmm. That we wish that were around, uh, but yeah, you, you you just don't know. Um, yeah. So what was the? Did I cut you off? Or forgive me, because I have a I have an interrupting problem. <laughs> I don't I don't know what I was going to say. They well, say the, the memory is the second to go, second thing to go, and I can't remember the first thing. So there you go. It's <laughs> okay. Um, no, you know, without getting too deep, you know, it's I'm sure it's it's great in a lot of ways, and 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 also has its challenges. And I think if I was at that age, you know, I was 18 when Warren broke or 19 and, you know, who, who's to say what I would have been like? I mean, I, I'm a pretty grounded person. I never really had any problems with abuse or anything like that, but, uh, but you know, who knows? I know I wouldn't have met my wife and we've been together for a long time. Mom's so, love. No, thanks. <laughs> I can't complain. I can't complain, but you know, music is something that I love and I'll do it no matter what, no matter what. But now I feel like I've reached a point musically where I can, I can present something that's, that's audible. <laughs> and I say that because I started singing. And okay. as a guitar player, I've always been a much better guitar player. But vocally, that was more of a challenge because you have to be really good as a vocalist or there's no point. Or you have to be really unique, you know? Right, right. And, and you have to have something special. And, and I don't know if I do or not, but I... I can tell you that when people listen to my music now, I get a much more positive response. And so I, uh, I, you know, I, I, I love it and I have to do it and it's going to be there no matter if one person listens or nobody listens or if I'm fortunate and many people listen. So 
that's that's my passion. The number one thing in my life as far as art, and um, and I'm gonna do it forever. And right now, I'm really just into letting as many people hear my stuff as I can. I can't imagine you now like putting out music now versus what you needed to do with Warrant. I mean, it's got to be it's night and day. I mean, we've talked about this topic with you know with many uh, artists over the course of these episodes, but do you find it? easier now or I guess because you do have credentials but it's not like you know I, uh, I'm just trying to think uh, well I guess for our purposes like if when Slash put out a solo record okay it's Slash he mm-hmm. has a name okay yeah. but what for you is it really do you have any sort of a leg up being having a resume or is it just like everybody else who trying to get a song on Spotify and book clubs I mean is it how difficult it is is it for you in 2018 versus what you've had to do over the years to get your music heard you know i think uh my history gives me a a reason for someone to listen you know um and that's all i ask for at this point just give me a chance yeah but uh i don't know i mean there's so much going on in music and so little of it has to do with rock and roll right now so um, you know, I take, it's going to take someone with real vision in the, in the industry to, to see the potential and see that people still do want music. I mean, I have so many people on my Facebook that are still rockers. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of people sure. that still want rock music. But the industry is ignoring it for, you know, for money, and, and that's understandable. It's a business. But, you know, you don't have to be headlining you know, Wrigley Field uh, uh, to make a living in this industry, especially now when you can basically record an album in your bedroom in your underwear. You I know. know. So, and, I lo- and I look at it as, you know, Warrant is still playing today, but for me, I mean, obviously your relationship with the band is different, but for me, I, I mean, once Jenny passed, I'm like, I, I don't know the other players. I mean, you know, forgive me. It's because it's not right. Guns N' Roses for me. So, but they're they're still right. able to make their own little ecosystem. Same thing with Skid Row. It, they and they make money doing it. So it's still it's still out there. And I I don't understand. It's whether it's the record companies and even as far as I'm concerned, radio stations are like that. You know, I've enjoyed yeah. being able to have these conversations <laughs> and do interviews and connect with people around the world. This has offered me more than any FM station I've ever been on because FM stations only play a limited amount of rock and they only let you talk for a limited amount of time and it's mm-hmm. it's constrictive so i just didn't know you know when it's music and it's on your own you you're not constrictive but it's the whole thing and i i mentioned it briefly with my shotgun news thing and the copyright that there's so much out there and what is it like even on spotify you make oh, i wish i got to find the peter I think it was a Peter Frampton tweet, like for 50 like billion streams of Baby I Love Your Way, he made like 2,500 bucks or something. I got to find that actual tweet. Oh, was, yeah, yeah, now. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, if, it, it, look it up. Like, if, if anyone wants to fact check me, just look up that Peter Frampton thing. It's, it's, just, it's astonishing. So that's why, you yeah. know, for someone like you, it's you have to get your music out there before they go out and see you because the money is made, right, when, uh, the actual shows. But you have to have people yeah. hear it first if you're not a household name like Peter Frampton. 
Yeah, I mean, building a, a show, I think, is really where it's at. I mean, even, we, you know, back to Fairfax for a minute, but another Fairfax alumni is a guy named Rami Jaffe. I don't know if you know Rami Jaffe, but he, he's the keyboard player in uh, the Foo Fighters. Yeah. And, uh, uh, my, you know, we just went out to go see them play at Wrigley Field in Chicago. Oh, nice. My uh, girlfriend's sister just went to that show. Oh, she's, yeah. She's from Chicago. <laughs> it was incredible. And, you know, I read this with Dave Grohl a long time ago. It's that, you know, somebody tipped him off early on. It's like the show is really the thing that's going to give you the longevity, you know, because people will stop buying your albums. The new stuff is probably never going to live up to the old stuff for whatever reason, unless, I mean, you might be lucky that that's not a hundred percent of the time, but you know, the show, if the show is consistently great, then, um, you know, it's, it's people are going to come because they want to be entertained. And I think that's, that's the, the real goal now. That, that's why the Foo Fighters, you know, are, are headlining, you know, these 75,000 seaters. And, and Guns N' Roses, too, you know? I was just about to say, and of course. Peppers. Yeah. But uh, Dave Grohl, you know, and I, I was lucky. I got to meet him, and I told him, because I was blown away. I said, you know, man, I've never seen anybody give as much to an audience as you. And I've seen the Stones, Bruce Springsteen, you know, GNR numerous times, whatever. I mean, the guy was like, Every every note that came out of his mouth was like could have been his last because he really gave every ounce of himself. Yeah, and and I appreciated it, and it looked like the audience really appreciated it. So that's where it's at, live shows. And and you know, a DJ, you know, he might have all the lights in the world, but he isn't going to be able to risk his life like that, you know, or you know, just give everything to spinning a record. Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe you can strain his finger or something like that it's like i know i get it <laughs> they they put a lot of work in the production studio but it's just something else to be on stage and just perform that way like you're a bar mitzvah dj you know or yeah. you know what even a bar mitzvah dj they're better they go out and like dance with the crowd you know and play have games and <laughs> give out like inflatable swords or whatever what does the dj do nothing yeah. and they and they have a mosh pit yes uh, <laughs> I, I i don't get it i don't i don't get it but it's interesting, you know, about the shows, right? And, and you know, of course, Guns N' Roses is is mentioned, and that's what's really changed the narrative with GNR, you know, especially about, you know, Axel showing up or you know being able to sing. Like the reason why it's yeah. one of the most successful tours of all time at this point is because they've been putting on great shows and people keep coming back. But what's uh, interesting, and they added it to the set list, and I don't know, maybe you saw this song. Uh, uh, live back in the day, but Shadow of Your Love, which was, th mm -hmm, yeah. that was initially a, a Hollywood Rose song, wasn't it? Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't remember. There's two songs I remember from Hollywood Rose, which was uh, Anything Goes, right, which made the album, and then there was one called Cold Hard Cash, which I don't know what happened to that song, but that was a cool-ass song. Oh, I just remember that. I do not know that one. And Yeah. So I have a funny story about, uh, I was on, I was, with Axel and Slash in Slash. Slash had a Trans Am at the time. And we were driving to a club called Madame Wong's. And I was in the back seat in the center. And Slash was driving. Axel was in the, in, the, in the passenger seat. And it was like rush hour traffic. And we had to go all the way across town from like Hollywood to Westwood, which is, I don't know, maybe 15 miles or something. <clears throat> and uh, there was so much traffic. And... Axel was getting like real irritated, like fidgety in his chair, and he was getting anxious. And Slash was like, "What's wrong?" He goes, "He goes, 
Not one of these fucking people know we're playing tonight. Not one of them. <laughs> like, nobody knew that he was playing tonight. He was upset about it. And this is, you know, a few years before Guns N' Roses, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I kind of, Slash kind of rolled his eyes at me and was like, that's just Axel, you know? And I was like, wow, that's crazy. But you fast forward a couple years when they were um, opening up for the Stones at the Coliseum. And everybody in the fucking city knew they were playing that night. Everybody. And it was just incredible because I just remember thinking in hindsight, man, this guy knew his destiny. He knew that was, that's what he was going to do. And I think Slash knew that as well. Were you surprised? Because, yeah. I mean, it sounds like you weren't because based upon the aura that Slash gave off at, at school and, you know, I, oh, my God, he's well, the coolest guy. Like, did you, were you, like, the, the, like the level... Like, it was one thing for maybe, like, Warrant. They, they Obviously, they reached a certain level, and they are one of the premier bands, and you started it, of the 80s. But the hit, the GNR level, is almost unheard of. Did you even expect that to be? You know, now, in 2018, you can say they, I mean, they don't have the the, dis, uh, the amount of songs of a Stones, but they are, they, in my opinion, I think, they're on a level of one of the greatest well, rock bands ever. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really interesting because... So Warren had played our first gig with Slash's band Road Crew. And in that time, Warren started to develop. And, and, that, and somewhere in the middle there, I wrote it for Slash a bit. And then he asked me to continue roading for him. And I said, you know, we're, I'm going to be focusing more on my band. I, I didn't really want to be a roadie, you know. I wanted to be a musician. So I kind of turned him down. And then Warren started to do well in the clubs. We started getting really, really good gigs and we were buddies with Poison and we were playing all these shows with them and Black and Blue and all these other great bands. And I remember me and my drummer were walking up towards the Sunset Strip and we were behind, uh, I think it was Tower Video and it was nighttime and the place was closed, I guess, and or closing. And Slash was out there hosing down the parking lot. And, you know, at this time, we were doing pretty well, and he hadn't really found a band. And he had been floundering kind of in and out of these bands that were really nothing special, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I said to my buddy, I said, I said, you know, it's just weird that he's not doing something. He's so great. Why isn't he in a band that's doing something, you know? And then a little while later, Guns N' Roses formed, and um, he invited me to a show, and it was one of their first shows probably, at a place called the Stardust Ballroom, which is gone now. And I was there by myself, and there was a bunch of other people there. And David Lee Roth was there for some <laughs> reason. I don't know why. He was dancing <laughs> and getting into it. Why not? And, at, yeah, I don't know if someone invited him or if he just happened to mosey on him. But, um, but Axel had the kilt. The, it was the original five guys, you know. And they blew my mind. And afterwards he slash was like pulling out his amp, you know, his own roadie at the time. And I, I might've given him a hand. I don't remember, but I, I told him, I said, I think you have something really cool here. And, and that was it. And then they started getting really popular <laughs> and we started getting really jealous <laughs> mm. and they sort of, and, and the rest of the guys in the band, I mean, slash was always cool with me, but there was, there was no love for warrant from the Guns N' Roses camp at that time. You know, so we weren't enemies, but, you know, we were we were we were sort of rivals, although we didn't feel the rivalship towards them. We liked them. 
Was but it too? Were you probably, too like hair bands? Because I know that they they did a bunch of shows with Jet Boy back in the day, so they they did have some camaraderie with some other bands. Like what, what what do you think it was about Warrant that they they weren't into? Uh, you know, I think it was just just like it was sort of like uh, how do I explain it? It's almost like the light side and the dark side. Like Poison and Warrant were all happy party bands. Okay, and right. And Guns N' Roses came out, and they were a little darker, you know. And Jet Boy at the time was really dark, and there was the Joneses, and they were a little more like drug drug induced, and and there was this whole scene of bands that were coming out that shifted the direction slightly. And, it, and I remember we were standing outside the Troubadour and I don't know if Guns N' Roses played, but the Joneses played. I don't know if you ever heard of them. The Joneses were kind of this really cool, uh, kind of garagey kind of band. And, um, and everyone came out and everyone just looked, you know, now you might call them sort of goth, you know, hmm. they had that kind of look. And I remember my drummer going, Oh shit, what's going on? <laughs> you know? And, and, you know, it was just, it just sort of became kind of like two scenes at the time, you know? Okay. But it was still a great scene. There was a lot of, there was a lot of blending, you know, like, like I said, Slash and I were always really cool. He would, you know, always be friendly to me. I ended up, uh, uh, knowing, uh, Duff a little bit. His wife at the time wanted to start a new band and, and she asked me to write with her. And so I had, I had friendships with them and Steven was always the sweetest guy. And Axel, you know, would be friendly when I'd see him. I only seen him a few times. He wasn't out as much where I was. But so that scene was, you know, I sort of had this kind of Fairfax path, I think. But I don't know how the other guys in my band were perceived or treated. I, I don't think they were too, I don't think anyone was treated disrespectfully. But uh, well, good to there hear. was definitely a, a nose up. I think there was definitely a nose up from that camp towards our camp. So then you, you, know, you know, uh, Izzy as well, because uh, Shadow of Your Love, just to confirm again, if I ever reach a certain level where I can actually hire a producer instead of doing it myself on my phone, uh, uh-huh. I'm not always right. It, it is a uh, Hollywood Rose song uh, written by Axel, Izzy, and uh, their friend uh, Paul Tobias, who would be sure. in, in GNR during that the, you know, the pre Buckethead or Buckethead ish era a little bit. So did you know oh, Izzy? Really? Yeah, did you know Izzy Stradlin? Uh, is, is he? He's the only guy I never met hmm. in the band. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Interesting. I would see him, but never met him. Okay. You know. Where was the? Uh, but uh, I love Izzy. You, you sent me a picture of you and Stephen. Where was it? It, it seems semi recent. Where was that taken? Okay, so that was. Um, I don't know if anyone's brought up the name Ron Schneider. Ron Schneider. Ron Dog. Ron Schneider. No. Ron Schneider was a bass player from Fairfax and um, just the sweetest guy. And he died, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And um, at, and so they had a funeral for him at Canner. That's actually the last time I saw Flash was at that funeral. Mm-hmm. And uh, Stephen was there. And so that was outside of the funeral at Canner's. Okay. <laughs> Odd place to have a funeral, but it, it meant something to all the Fairfax people because That's... that was sort of our... That was like our Arnold's, you know. Sure, no, that, that's what. It's, <laughs> no, I got it. That's what it's all about. Yeah, yeah, no, that's. Yeah. So, what do you think it is yeah. about that school? Is there anything that you know? Do you ever talk about whether it's with your your famous classmates or just some of your your old uh, high school buddies? Because again, I can you know a lot of people come from Long Island, like comedians, a lot of great New York bands, you know, the Ramones, Blondie, but. You know, Twisted Sister, but why? Yeah, like why the school? Well, first of all, 
most of the kids, well, all the kids that I hung out with, like sports were not at our at school at our school. Sports were not as interesting to most of the kids as it as it is at a lot of other schools. So we didn't have a lot of jocks in our group. But we also had, you know, we had we had music in, in school, you know. So we, you know, a lot of us were able to learn music. But on top of that, we had the Sunset Strip, you know. So like we were going up and seeing Rat and Motley Crue and and Candy and uh, you know all the bands. How far that was were the strip from up the school? At the time. How far is the strip from the school? Oh, Forgive me, I, I uh, I'm a New Yorker through you know, and through. Just a few miles, just a few miles. But uh, you know, I don't know if you've been to LA, but LA I have has not, not yet. It has these kind of major intersections, you know, and then in between it's kind of residential. And so Fairfax High was on a street called Melrose. I'm sure you've heard of Melrose. Sure. Yes. So we had we had that. So style was at our fingertips because you could go shopping on, on Melrose and buy all the cool clothes cheap. North of Melrose, about four blocks up, was Santa Monica Boulevard. And that's where you get into more of the, um, it, was, it was more of a gay district, you know, mm-hmm. at the time. And then four, about another four blocks up was Sunset Boulevard. And so that's where the strip started, at Fairfax and Sunset. <laughs> and you just head west for a couple miles, and you're in the strip. I mean, this is where all of vintage Hollywood, you know, took place, you know. And it's got a lot of history. And so we would all, you know, go to, and the Troubadour was on Santa Monica Boulevard. So all our, all these up and coming bands that were causing all this excitement were playing and we could go and we could sneak in or, you know, try and get in. It was punk rock was happening, the Troubadour. Um, and then every once in a while, some national acts would come through and we could see them. And so we just had this ability to be near the music scene. And we learned from them. And, and a lot of us became friends with a lot of them. So we, we did get sort of taught certain things. What's like Poison that? took Warrant in mm-hmm. as we were kids. Before Janie, they didn't, they, Brett never really liked Janie. He, he was more, you know, he was closer to us before Janie because we were different and we were young and we were hungry and we were promoting as much as them. But um, they took us in and they taught us things about stage performance and and, and, you know, promoting and, and just a lot of things. So there's this camaraderie between the bands and you, you learn from each other. And, you know, tr- you know, Tracy, Ellie Guns, we all learn from the same school, these people on the strip. It was fascinating. It's, it's amazing. And I'm, I'm so thankful that I came from that. Hmm. What's the, uh, the, the famous re- um, real estate saying, location, location, location? Yeah, that's yeah. that's what it really sounds like. Cause I had never thought about that as far as it's just a few miles away from the strip. I know it was in the vicinity, and it makes me think of. Um, and I'll apologize to uh, to Marcel because she sent me the, the screenplay she's been writing. Because I told her I'm like this just sounds like a movie or Netflix series. You know, the real rock and roll high school. And the fact that it's yeah. could be either based on or loosely based on a true story, so I, I just haven't oh, had I time. To, I haven't had time to read it, but doesn't it feel that way? Can't you see this becoming a movie, a screenplay? Yeah. I mean, they're they're finally. I think yeah. uh, I saw uh, Nikki Six tweet this that they're finally going to put out the Dirt movie uh, next year. Oh yeah, on, on Netflix. Oh fantastic! I mean, he oh, was my second radio cool. interview ever like 10 years ago, wow. and uh, okay. he was talking about the movie back then. So it's taken a while, 
but it just seems like there needs to be a Fairfax <clears throat> movie made, and you're just another one yeah. of the characters that's a part of it. Yeah, well, that it, it's it's incredible, and there, there's a lot of movies that could be made. And there was what I was going to say that I remember now is that we had the ability to play original songs in the clubs, where I think a lot of people in other states were forced or encouraged to play covers most of the time. Sure. And so, and not only that, we had the record companies right, you know, across the street. So we had, you know, once, once people started really coming to the shows, you know, David Geffen or, or Zutant, all they had to do was cross the street and go over and listen to all these bands, you know? So it's a lot harder to get bands seen and, you know, I got small you. Bands, so that was another thing. But uh, yeah, I think a movie would be incredible. And I have an idea for a movie that I want to do, but I, I'm not going to talk about it here. Okay. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'd love to, I'm not a writer of that sort. I can sort of give you the premise, but or give you, them the premise. You'll but, be the um, producer. You'll be the producer. I'll, I'll do something in it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was just a really great time. And, and it was like our college. <laughs> we didn't go to college. We were out on the strip, you know, meeting girls, having them feed us and take, us, take care of us. And, yeah, we just uh, had a great time. And, it sounds wonderful. And, I wish I got to experience it. That's why I love talking about it, and, and a lot, people all love hearing about it, because it's such a time capsule that can never happen again. Of course, I mean, aside from just the location aspect and the certain personnel involved, but in the climate, the the political climate today, you couldn't play that kind of music, unfortunately. I mean, what was it? Uh, Steel Panther just got yelled at for having a, a, a pussy yeah. melter, a guitar pedal. Yeah. I mean, give me a yeah. fucking break. You know, I'm. I love those I'm all for women's rights, but it's 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 become too much. I can't imagine doing anything of that. Can you imagine making? I know it was you know after your time in in, in Warrant, but like a cherry pie video. I mean, maybe like a Nicki right. Minaj could make it. It'd, it'd be ironic, but. Like for a man to make that kind of video today, I don't know if that can the same thing could could happen. Cause obviously yeah, that's we, a whole other discussion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's a lot of discussions that we could have, and I don't want to keep you, uh, you know, forever. But I, I want to get to because uh, I also I want to talk about your current projects and where we can hear it, and I know we get to play some of it here. Uh, but huh? I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the VH1 uh, show a little bit hmm. because that was VH1 was a cool channel to kind of relive some of the Guns N' Roses stuff for a while when they were broken up, the behind the scenes. They even did, uh, you know, behind the music, rather. They did one of uh, Velvet Revolver. And I told you the, uh, I mean, well, they had the, the fantasy camp. They had the uh, super group. Savage Animal. With Sebastian Bach and, 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 uh, and Bonham. But they also had yeah. Sober House with Steven Adler. And oh, yeah. I remember watching that and I'm like, he's not going to be alive and thank i'm just so you know yeah. as many fans of course his friends and family are that he's alive and well today um so for you i guess before i just want to get your opinion before you if you, there's any good cool stories from that experience for you i think oh, it's awesome yeah i want to get your before while i'm on this kind of train of thought i guess now i love what warren did with you he said that they brought you up on stage right and yeah. it's given me you know, and I love what Pearl Jam did when they allowed like all their past drummers to be inducted into the Rock Hall because they they embraced their whole history. GNR is very weird with that, and right. you know, Marcel gave her opinion that she doesn't think Stephen may be physically able to do that kind of a demanding tour. 
But yeah. for me, it doesn't matter about doing a whole tour, whether or not Stephen wants to do it. That's a whole other discussion. But to involve past members in your history, I think it's beautiful what they did with you. Do, in your opinion, is that yeah. something that GNR should do? Or is it just they, they have their machine now, not in this lifetime, it's working, don't fuck with it. But to have Izzy back for a show, to have Steven back <clears throat> for a show, to even have Rob, Rob Gardner back. You know, or Buckethead, or whatever, whatever era, I think yeah. fans might get a kick out of that. Do you have an opinion? Well, I think people just are, you know, Guns N' Roses fans, real Guns N' Roses fans, are in love uh, with the original lineup, which is Izzy and Steven, you know, and Duff and Slash. And also. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's what I would like to see more than anything. And and, and I love Matt Sorum, too. And, and the new drummer, Frank, right? I think yeah. he's, he's incredible, and he has an incredible feel. And he probably captures Steven's feel better than anyone. I don't know much about why they chose or, you know, chose not to include Steven. Maybe Marcel's point of view is that being on the road would make him too vulnerable and he could, he could fall again. I don't know. That, my personal thought at the time was that, you know, Steven didn't record the second record, so maybe, maybe he wouldn't do those parts as well or the same or who knows but that's just my own personal theory I have no no real idea all I know is Steven is the sweetest guy I mean I think the issue with him and Axel is that he's the only one that was willing to challenge Axel you know and uh, Axel with the most power you know where they just basically said fuck you and and that sucks because like I said Steven is really a genuinely good guy with a good heart I mean he's you know he's just he deserves great things. He deserves to be in that band. And, uh, and I don't know what's up with Izzy. Um, I think there's some bad blood. I don't know, but you know, he's, he's a huge part of that band. <laughs> he's a huge part. So I know. And, and I, you know, maybe, I, yeah. I was going to say maybe the next tour will be the original lineup. You never know. Maybe they'll get back to basics. Maybe yeah. they're just sort of doing a little at a time to make it happen. No, you never know, and you know I, I like Frank. He's a he's a New York guy. You know Richard has been in the band for for I guess now the time period longer than Izzy, but it's just a I think it's more than just Stephen being on the Appetite record. But you know if you're a fan, and I just obviously compare it to you, I think that's just a cool moment to have, even if it's not just a full tour, but just to to reach a certain point of your life where. These these are regular dudes. They're still friends. They're all still alive, you know. Um, I think that yeah. they, they have an opportunity to do that because, as you know, I mean, there there comes a certain point where that that opportunity isn't there, and I, by that I mean Janie, uh, that you'll never oh, yeah. get that opportunity to have that back again. So um, before I go, you know, go off on the sad route too much. Uh, what was the the VH1 experience like? Because they have a lot of. I wish they would bring back more rock and roll reality shows. Yeah. Um, by the way, excuse me for coughing. I, I got allergies this year for the first time ever. And, and oh, really? It's. Uh, it's my first day. It's one, but anyway, I don't know. It's one of my only days this summer that I'm actually okay. <laughs> but anyway, um, VH1 was a really cool experience. I thought, you know. Um, I had a great time. I really did. I really went in with a good attitude about it. And um, I don't know if you've seen it, but, you know, I, I got a when little... It, when it aired. When it aired. Not, not a long time. Yeah, I got a little shit. 
I got a little shit from Mark Hudson, but I think that was sort of a planned thing from the producers, you know? Okay. But, uh, but I kind of, I kind of, uh, just rolled with it. I mean, it was fun. I made some lifelong friends on that show that I'm still in contact with. And, um, and we got to do some really cool things, you know, it, it was funny though, because like when, when, when the, towards the finale it was like oh you get to play on the sunset strip you know and to me it wasn't as big as <laughs> an amazing thing like but you know this. it was great I, yeah it was kind of like i'd done it but but it was really awesome i never got to play on the strip with ace freely and that that i did get to do and and with michael anthony who's another like just amazing person and matt sorum and you know gary holy i met you know just incredible and then lita ford you know i saw her later at uh at the NAM show, which is the music merchant show. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, if you haven't gone, it's an amazing event where all the, all the rock stars are there. And I'm walking down the hallway and Lita Ford's out in the distance and she sees me and she like opens her arms and runs to me to hug me. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> that's Lita fucking Ford, man. It's one of the <laughs> runaways. But, sure. you know, so it was a great experience. You know, I don't really bring it up too much because, you know, there's certain stigmas that go with reality TV that I, and I, I'm trying to, uh, uh, you know, do my own thing. And, and But, you know, I did it for fun, and it was a lot of fun. So, again, it was just another uh, experience that, that I get to, you know, put in my book someday. I hope they do more of uh, those, again, those kind of shows. But uh, yeah, much like rock and roll radio or rock and roll music, there seems to be someone against us. I don't know what it is. And that's cool you met Sorum. Uh, before I forget, um, I mean, this could have been part of Shotgun News or whatever, but it looks like Stephen met uh, Matt recently at the Foreigner show uh, this this past Wednesday. And they took a picture together. Oh, yeah? And it's just so... Uh-huh. See, it's like moments like that. That's like that's so cool to see Matt Sorum and, and Stephen Adler in one picture together, both smiling, looking <laughs> happy. So I, I think that's a, you know, a nice little wonderful experience. So if they can get along, who kn- Who knows? Uh, so well, now they're both now they both have the same role. It's like that saying, "The enemy of my enemy is my friend." <laughs> you know, <laughs> like now, like before, there was little tension, you know, between them. Because at the at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, there were some interviews with them together, and there was a little tension. But now, of course, they're both not in the band, and they can both, you know, complain about the same things. I guess I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe both nice guys, both great guys. But you've uh, you obviously <laughs> have been through a lot, and it's just. It's wonderful here, like when I interviewed uh, Mark Dan Zeisen from Gilby Clark's uh, former band, that, you know, we got off the, during the, inter- uh, the interview when he had people knocking on the studio door. He had to go do something. So you have, uh-huh. you have a lot going on, you know, reality shows aside. You know, so uh, tell us about, you know, Josh Lewis today. Okay, well, um, well, shortly after the Fantasy Camp thing, I released my first album, which is called Jumping In, and you can get that on iTunes. And, um, you know, this was sort of a done on a budget. It's really more of demos, and, and pretty soon I'm going to be taking it off of iTunes to release some uh, re-recordings and new material. But, um, but yeah, it, it, I like the album. It's pretty good. It's got a bunch of songs, and I continue to write and record and play out occasionally. And uh, I'm actually uh, hoping to start playing out a lot more. And so I'm sort of auditioning members, players right now. Okay, so you're, and, uh, you're working on your band. Are you going to come up with uh, is it yeah. gonna be the Josh Lewis band or are going to come up with some cool name like uh, Robot I, Killer? I don't, I don't know. I have some names in mind. It just depends on 
on how the band forms. If it's more of a band situation where like everyone's really contributing and really into it, I would love it to be just a band. Because you know, being a solo artist, I, it's not really in my bag. But mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> but I have a few band names in mind, and um, if anyone's interested and they live in the LA area, and um, you have to listen to my music, and, and hopefully you're hearing it on the show today. Um, it's not really '80s style. It's kind of got dashes of '80s in it, but it's a little more '70s rooted, I think. With, with maybe with yeah, it's more '70s rooted. You know, it's, it's got a mix, a blend. But um, yeah, so I'm, I'm doing that. I'm doing a lot of music stuff, and uh, I'm actually today I'm, I'm going to be doing a photo shoot for Chrome Hearts, which is an amazing. Um, uh, uh, jewelry line that's really expensive and I'm going to be modeling some of the rings and bracelets and stuff so that's kind of cool oh cool but uh, hand model I am giving yeah a hand model I don't, I don't have the strongest hands but anyway <laughs> they wanted, they wanted a, a rocker type so um, and anyway so yeah I'm going to be giving out uh, a free song to anybody that emails me and you can email me at josh at joshlewismusic.com and that's Lewis, L-E-W-I-S, and music, the traditional way to spell music. And if you email me, I'll send you uh, a free MP3, uh, one of my songs, one of my favorites, and what seems to be one of the most popular ones, uh, called Lay Down Your Guns. And, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about it. I've been just starting to really promote myself again. I, I really, I think I said earlier, you know, for a long time, uh, I I wasn't really what I would consider ready. I feel ready now. And, um I have a lot of tunes and a lot of love for it. So I'm just going to be sending out music to record industry people and trying to put a band together that we can start gigging um, and do some showcases and maybe do some touring. Awesome. It's cool that I'm, I'm getting to talk to you. It's not quite the infancy of it, but you're still building it and you're still, you're still in the creative process, which I think is an exciting time. Yeah. You know, it's like someone said, you know, if you play guitar, you always have a friend. You're never alone, you know, and I'll always play guitar, you know, I will always play guitar. And it's, it's just, you know, what, like I said, I don't care who's listening or not listening. I love it. And, and that's all that matters to me. You know, of course I would really love it if the world loved it. <laughs> and oh, of course. Really well so what's the best, is yeah. that email the best way to contact you? Cause, uh, I, you know, I know you're on, yeah. I know we're Facebook friends, but I always inquire there's a difference, like we learned from Tommy Stinson, between a personal Facebook and a fan page. So do you have a fan page? Do you have a Twitter? I couldn't find you on uh, on Twitter or Instagram, anything like that? Um, I do have a Twitter, though I'm not a big Twitter guy yet. I'm, I'm getting into it. Um, and I don't have an Instagram for my music yet, but uh, I do have my Facebook page, which is Josh Lewis. Uh, I don't know if there's a link to it exactly, but if you... If you friend or if you're friends with Brando, Brandon, you can uh, <laughs> definitely find me through there. There's a black and white picture of me playing guitar with some sunglasses on, and then there's me with uh, Jerry and Eric on my homepage from a recent picture from when we went down on stage together right. at the Canyon Club. And uh, yeah, I'm accessible. I try and answer all my messages. So I love to talk to people. I love to answer questions and um, get to know the fans, you know, and I know rock and roll is still alive, you know, despite what the industry might think. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that love it. 
No, there like, is. I, I mean, I'm, I'm blown away where this is uh, obviously a Guns N' Roses centered. It's the nucleus of this podcast. We talk about a lot of things and the amount of countries that I hear from, people that where English is not their first language. And of course, obviously here in the States, different um, different parts of the country that have such a passion for it. It's not just the band, but just rock itself. So it's out there. You just got to, you know, be smart about it and tap, you know, tap into it, which I don't, I don't know why they're, yeah. the people, people in charge don't seem to know how to do. Uh, so maybe there's a way for, to get the, to get listeners two free songs since they email you and they get uh, Lay Down Your Guns. Uh, I can put, All right. uh, I can put another track. Three songs. Three, th- three free songs. Oh, three free songs. If you email me, I'm going to make, I'm going to up the ante. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. I'll be handed the three, three free songs, and uh, if it's free, you'll take three, okay? All right. Well, then what can I, because I wanted to give them a song uh, attached to this episode, like a nice little freebie. So what do you think would sound good at the end of this conversation? Let's play uh, Lay Down Your Guns. All right. So I'm going to attach Lay Down Your Guns, and you can get the other songs from from Josh if you email him. So after... Uh, the outro of the AFD show. That's where I'm going to put it on. So stay tuned even after the uh, the interview is over. So if, is there anything else that you uh, you want to get out there? Any maybe missed Hollywood Rose story? Or should we save it all for a potential next time where you're a co-host? And I'll say the same thing like I guess said to to Marcel. If you want to come back on, play co-host with me, have uh, be more involved in Shotgun News. And then, you know, all you have to do, whether it's... Um, you know, uh, and forgive me, I forget his uh, his first name, but Hillel's uh, younger brother. Jamie, yeah, Jamie. J- Jamie Slovak, whether it's him or, yeah. you know, I don't know who else you still talk to in the GNR stratosphere, whether it's Tracy, whether it's obviously if you're still buddies with Flea or whatever, that'd be wonderful. But anyone who would make sense, whether they're a big name or, you know, uh, someone who you just know is a great storyteller. That that's all that matters. Yeah. And as long as it fits in that that six degrees of Gene R. Bacon, Kevin Bacon, uh, will make it work. Just yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people that I I had sort of listed that we could we can go into talking about later, and yeah. I I can privately give you some names maybe. Um, but yeah, the history, you know, and the and the camaraderie of those days, it runs deep. I mean, the bloodline is it's thick, and 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 there was bands that you know a lot of great bands out of Fairfax High that never got their due. Uh, you know, like Mad Society, which was an old punk band with a nine-year-old singer, Stevie Metz, and, and they turned into Funhouse, and you know, and now the guitar player for them makes clothes for Slash, you know, and Velvet Revolver and stuff, and and a whole bunch of other bands, and so yeah, so I mean, just Fairfax High, you should just do a whole podcast on Fairfax. I was just about to say we can do Fairfax High focused shows. We can do a segment like. Instead of shotgun news, we can do the Fairfax High morning announcements. I don't know, try to be creative yeah. with it. You know, if, abs- <laughs> absolutely. I want to know yeah, more about the school. Ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. <laughs> then at Fairfax High, we'll be <laughs> exactly. We'll be serving uh, old pizza and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, That'd be great. Exactly. So we can get creative with it. So you're. You're all, always welcome back, and um, thank you. Well, normally, and I'll, I can play you both sound clips because you know RazQ a little bit. But I, I yeah. call all of the friends of the show, listeners of the show. I, I refer to them as bad apples. Bad apples. I don't know something creative and 
makes me yeah, laugh. Yeah, I've heard that. It's great. I know. I have, I have problems. Like but this is the one that I played for Raz since he's more of an Osmonds guy. One bad apple don't spoil a whole bunch, girl. Yeah, I had to get the uh, the Donny Osmond high pitch <laughs> thing at the end. So that's that's why I love because you know you and I are from different kind of age brackets. Same thing with Raz. It's just giving getting different viewpoints on a really awesome era of rock, which of course a, a lot of it centers around well Slash and you know Axel and you you know all these major players and uh, you are still doing it and you have a fascinating story and I I really appreciate you taking the time to. To share it, and um, like I said to all my my listeners, just uh, stay tuned to the end. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna play. Uh, a, when, when did you, this come out? What, like, is, is this like the final so, version of it? Like, uh, this is a uh, lay down your guns. Uh, is it mastered on my on my record? Jumping in. Okay. Again, available on iTunes. This is a new version of it. Okay. Um, nice. So I re-recorded a lot of the everything's different. Everything's different except for the bass and drums had it remixed and uh, this will be the new version going forward. So with jumping in, everything is sort of going to be uh, discontinued very, very soon and difficult to get. So I encourage people to grab that while you can. All right. So it's the same way that you listen to the AFD show. Uh, you can download the song or stream it because it's a part of this episode on the iHeartRadio app, on Spreaker, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud. Uh, I believe, because I got to follow up, iTunes, fucking, there's customer service is garbage. I think if you had already previously subscribed to the AFD show on iTunes, you still get updates, but if you search for it, it's still a problem. This goes back to the whole uh, copyright bullshit, uh, the false copyright claims. But anyway, and we're working on a, uh, a YouTube account, which uh, RazQ has uh, helped me out on, but no timetable for that yet, but we're, we're working on it. So you'll be able to get your song on my episode all those ways as well and if you need to reach out to uh to josh or any more information uh just hit me up on facebook or twitter facebook.com slash the afd show uh twitter at the afd show and normally i'm like oh what am i going to do the next episode well i know i'm going to be doing it in real time uh because today is august 12th it's the afternoon here in nyc so i don't know about an hour i'm going to talk to uh brett buchanan from uh, alternativenation.net, a lot of people <laughs> don't like him because, uh, and he knows the deal. It's a it's a clickbait rock site, but I think we're gonna do a little bit more character building and find a, the man behind the clickbait. So um, when I'm gonna put it that out, I don't know, but I know I'm gonna record that soon. So anyway, uh, until next time, Josh. Until next time, for everybody else. Uh, when are you gonna hear the next AFD show? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. Thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home. Take a chance